the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It is a Wednesday, middle of the weekday, over the hill day. We're closer to Friday than we were on Monday. That's a good thing. The wind stopped blowing like a banshee outside, which is good because the temperature as I was coming in today was like 45, and if the wind had been blowing the way it was yesterday, it would have felt like it was about 37 degrees outside. And, you know, I'm, I'm easing into the cold weather right now. I don't want to be just... Throw, it'd be like being really, really hot and jumping into a, a, a vat of really, really cold water. You know, I don't want to do that. I just don't want to do that. So uh, it's going to be cool uh, the rest of the week. And they're saying over the weekend our highs are only going to be in the mid-60s and it's going to rain. So it's going to feel even cooler. So be aware uh, of that. Lots going on as far as uh, politics go. So that's what we're going to talk about here this first hour. Hmm, what a big surprise. Uh, but uh, we're going to talk about the national races because there's some really interesting changes happening uh, all across the landscape. I told you many months ago that as we got closer to Election Day and moved in, in fact, into early voting, a lot of people were going to change their minds. Or if they hadn't changed their minds, they're going to just make up their mind completely to go ahead and and uh, and, and vote uh, for Republicans this year. And, and that's exactly what seems to be happening now. Um, the Cook political report, which calls itself nonpartisan, I don't believe it, but they call themselves nonpartisan. But I was reading it, and uh, they have even admitted uh, that their research has shown that about Eighty percent of Republicans are are looking to vote, while only about sixty-five to seventy percent of Democrats are going to the polls. That is a mixture for defeat, and that is exactly what it is. The other thing that is a mixture for defeat is, uh, you know, when you push to the very end before you decide that you'll debate. I mean, like Whitmer, like uh, Fetterman, and like others uh, in in this uh, these races, you're laying all your chips on the table when you go to the to the debate. You're figuring uh, you're going to be able to com- convince people with your political ads on TV, with your uh, digital ads that uh, you're sending them with your push cards that you put in their mailboxes, that you're going to convince them how they're supposed to vote. I believe debates hold 
the key for a lot of candidates this year. Because people want to hear what they have to say. People want to be able to watch their TVs and see the faces of these people as they lie. And I'm telling you, last night, some of them lied. Big time. Lied. Whitmer. Whitmer said that she only closed schools in Michigan for three months. Her words, not mine. Three months. When, in fact, schools in Michigan were closed for over a year and a half. So she tries now to uh, split a frog's hair by saying to the people of Michigan, because she's called out on it, the lady who's running against her, Dixon, I think is her name, uh, who's running against her, said, whoa, that's not true. And now here's, you know, she's trying to do... uh, trying to fix things up today now that she's not under the spotlight and under the pressure of the debate she tries to change uh, the the tune she says no I, I didn't close them my department of education closed them you hear me you hear what I'm saying her department of education ma'am you're the you're the governor you can depart, you you can tell the Department of Education we're not going to close the schools, and they won't close. You didn't do that. You didn't say squat. You just kept your mouth shut, and I guess you thought that the people would say, "Oh, okay, Department of Education." They told her that the Department of Education is under the governor. Let me give you a good example of that. Let me take you to Florida and DeSantis. DeSantis told his Department of Education, we're going to open the schools in Florida. He told them. And you guess what? Department of Education in Florida is under, just as it is in Michigan, is under the governor. And they kept the schools open. And that's why when you look at how far behind students fell uh, in uh, fourth and eighth grade, uh, Florida is like number three in the nation at the very top. Michigan is down at number 41. 41. Ninth from the bottom. That's where they're at. They're, they're in terrible shape. And it's because of the governor. The governor didn't do it right. But she's going to say, well, my Department of Education told me to do it. They forced me to do it. They, t- they duct taped me to a, a chair, put a big old lamp in front of me that was really hot, and they beat me with rubber hoses, and I, I just stayed quiet and let them do what they wanted to do. That's basically what she's saying. And that's why that race now, which there was about a 14-point difference back uh, in August, is now neck and neck. And, it's, uh, and, and, the, and the winds are at the back of the challenger. The winds now are at the back of uh, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. I mean, I watched a little bit of that debate. In Pennsylvania, I didn't watch all of it. Nah, I'm not going to do that. I mean, it's in Pennsylvania, but it's for the control of the Senate, so I wanted to watch and see how Fetterman did. He did terrible. He did, Not only did he have problems, 
And he, they've been trying to cover up these problems that he had from the stroke, and we pray for him that he'll have full uh, recovery and healing from that stroke. But right now, that's not where it's at. I'm just telling you, it is not there. I'm going to play some stuff for you here in just a moment. But he lied to the Pennsylvania people. He stood up there. And he said that he's always been for fracking. You know, frack, fracking is a huge, huge business in Pennsylvania. I, feel, I think I read there was like 600,000 people employed in the natural gas uh, industry. He wants to get rid of it. Now that he's up for uh, election, he's saying that, oh, I've always been for fracking. Well, let me just give you an idea. Here is Fetterman last night. At the uh, the debate, I want you first of all. I'm going to play uh, a segment for you, and then I got another segment as well. I just want you to get a feel for the man has not. I mean, he may have a doctor's note that says he's doing all right. I'm telling you, he's not doing all right. You released this note from your doctor saying you can work full duty in public office, but you have not released your detailed medical records surrounding your stroke. Mr. Fetterman, will you pledge tonight to release those records in the interest of transparency? You have 60 seconds. No. Uh, to me, for transparency is about showing up. I'm here today to have a debate. I have you know, spe speeches in front of 3,000 people in Montgomery County, you know, all across Pennsylvania, big, big crowds. You know, I believe if my doctor believes that I'm fit to serve and, and that's what I believe is appropriate. And now with two weeks before the election, you know, I have run a campaign and I've been very transparent about being very open about the fact we're in use captioning. And I believe that, again, my doctors, the real doctors that I believe in, they all believe that I'm ready to be served. Follow up. I didn't hear you say you would release your full medical records. Why not? You have 30 seconds. No, uh, yeah, again, my doctor all believes that I'm fit to be serving, and that's what I believe is where I'm standing. Wow. Wow. Now, that's word salad. That's, that's all that was. That was word salad. And if, if you're a person who uh, supports Fetterman, you, that's got to concern you. Now, let me tell you something else that it concerns you, and this is one of the things that I'm glad our early voting only starts a couple of weeks before uh, the election on November 8th, is that 50% of all the mail-in ballots have already been, uh, have already come in, and they've already been counted, over 600,000 votes. They didn't get to see that. All right, I'll let you hear more about what he believed on on uh, when you're talking about fracking when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I want to tell you about my buddy Pat Davis. Pat Davis wants you to know he's got a great team. I mean, he's got a really, really strong and powerful team. Uh, Josh, his son, Corey, his son-in-law, works with Pat. And, and they're just going to treat you better, going to treat you with a lot of respect. They custom-build health plans uh, with what is important to you. There's no government-controlled subsidies needed that are crazy and ultimately go away. Private health plans that uh, pay you to go to the doctor and are available all year round. Middlemen rob people blind with horribly inflated pricing. But with your health plan man, you, the client, Get to take control of your health care decisions, and you, I'm, I'm pointing at you, who's listening to me on the radio or on your phone right now, uh, pocket that money instead of the insurance companies and multiple middlemen. Here's what uh, 
Pat's talking about. Your Blue Cross uh, AM member, uh, United Healthcare, etc., is billed a hundred thousand dollars for a procedure that only costs ten thousand dollars. You pay the deductible and the extra out of pocket, and you get ripped off. And that happens every day. Five hundred dollars cash pay procedures get billed at ten thousand dollars and more, and you pay thousands more than is necessary. I mean, Pat's got all this information. He can share it with you. You just call him today. Uh, give the Your Health Plan Man team a chance to see how they can help you and how to stop getting you know screwed by the health care system. It's the bottom line. Uh, call or text them now at 501-605-6935. Again, 501-650-6935, or go to yourhealthplanman.com. Let me start off by talking about Fetterman. I thought I had the audio. I do not. I've got another piece where he broke into Dr. Oz when Dr. Oz was doing his closing remarks. Fetterman just shouted out during uh, during them. Well, here, let me just play that for you so you can hear it. Talk to couples when I make their first down payment on a new house and they can't afford it anymore because of interest rates. I've talked to families. You want to cut Social Security. M- Mr. Fetterman, it's his turn for his closing. There, that's, that's the way Fetterman was last night. It's cr- the man's crazy. He's not to be trusted and he shouldn't be a senator. Uh as far as fracking goes, I've got, now this is a CNN article, all right? Pennsylvania Democratic Senate candidate John Fetterman said that he has always supported fracking in his state. But in 2018, Fetterman said he never supported the industry and never, and never, let me highlight that, his words, not mine, never will. Comments are part of a long and often contradictory series of positions from the Senate candidate on the industry, which provides tens of thousands of jobs and contributes millions of dollars to Pennsylvania's economy. Uh, Fetterman's message about the industry is often dependent on who his audience is. And he's attempted a balancing act saying that he supports a transition to green and renewable energy while also pledging support for the Pennsylvanians employed by it, according to a review of his past interviews by CNN. They went back and checked uh, a CNN K-file review of his comments since 2016 found they often were a stark contrast from what he said last night. He said he did not support fracking and never has in 2018. Let me, let me read his quote. I don't support fracking at all, and I never have, Fetterman uh, told a left-wing YouTube channel in 2018 when running for lieutenant governor. And I've, I've signed the No Fossil Fuels Money Pledge. I have never received a dime from any natural gas or oil company whatsoever. He also added he supported maintaining two wells near his hometown that supported 3,000 jobs. Oh, what a big surprise. Uh, That's not pro-fracking. That's saying I'm (laughs) pro-union. 
I, don't, I, I, I support two wells near my hometown. That's not pro-fracking. That's saying I'm pro-union, I'm pro-family, I'm pro-steel, he said. And he called fracking a stain in 2016. In 2016, when running for U.S. Senate, that he didn't win. Fetterman said in a comment published on Reddit that uh, fracking was, quote, a stain on the state. But he worried about the ability to get a ban passed with the industry so entrenched in Pennsylvania. I am not pro-fracking and have stated that if we did things right in this state, we wouldn't have fracking. The industry is a stain on our state and natural resources. And what's he say now? Well, last night in the the debate with uh, Oz, he 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 said, "I've always been pro-fracking." This man to say anything that he thinks he needs to say uh, to get to, to get elected, and that that that's that's the point of all of it. That is that's the uh, the long and short of it. All right, I wanted to uh, also talk a little bit about why early voting can be detrimental. And uh, you got a story here uh, where they put it all together for you. And where is it here? I got it in here in my big old pile of stuff. All right. People want to change their vote to Dr. Oz after experiencing Fetterman on live TV. That's what uh, many newspapers are saying today on tuesday night uh met met oz and john fetterman finally met to debate after the fetterman campaign tried to avoid debating oz at all then finally folded under immense pressure from all sides of the political spectrum it was not pretty from town hall wall street journal says Remarkably, though, almost half of the mail ballots requested in Pennsylvania have already been cast and returned. As of yesterday, officials had received 635,428 mail votes out of the 1,310,189 that voters originally requested. That's 48%. Uh, this from Twitter, unbelievably, moments after being read his own quote saying, I don't support fracking at all, John Fetterman says, I've always supported fracking. That was during the debate. The con- and they did. They read his quote to him, and he looked them directly in the eye and says, no, I've always supported fracking. Okay, don't believe what you're hearing, all right? Uh, CNN says the comments are part of a long and often contradictory series of positions from the Senate candidate on the industry. Fetterman's message about the industry is often dependent on his audience, and he has attempted a balancing act. And then RNC Research came out uh, about uh, the closing statements that said, Dr. Oz, ask yourself this and others in your family. Are you unhappy from for uh, what uh, and where America is headed? I am. If you are as well, then I'm the candidate for change. Hugh Hewitt on Twitter, every Democrat on every ballot is mad at John Fetterman tonight for hurting them all. Sometimes the Biden basement strategy is not the best way. It's the only 
way. And uh, interactive polling uh, debate, who won? Oz, 82%. Fetterman, 18% by those who watched the debate last night. We can only hope. I mean, uh, Oz is within, you know, uh, very good striking distance. I think he only trails by like a point. I personally think that he's probably up. Uh, but we're going to have to wait and see on election night, find out how that's all going to turn out. The Hill has an interesting uh, uh, headline today uh, in their publication. And by the way, they are not a conservative organization. I'll read that to you and then talk about that story when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Coming up uh, here in just a few moments, we're going to get some news for you, and I think we've got focus on the family as well for you. We want to play both of those for you and get you caught up on what's happening in the news. I'm, I'm sure they're already uh, you know, calling people, polling people in Pennsylvania to see you know, what kind of a movement uh, Dr. Oz got from that debate. But right now, we're going to go see what the news is all about. Let's do that right now here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back with you, 635. Let's, uh, you know, try in this next 25 minutes to uh, put together everything we uh, uh, know, basically, of what's happening during the campaign right now. We're down to 13 days from the election. We're just we're under two weeks away. Yesterday we were at two weeks. Today we're down to thirteen days. I told you I'd read from the Hill, which is a very uh, liberal publication out of Washington D.C. Uh, about what they're saying, and this headline says it all: Red Wave likely in House as GOP gains crucial edge. That says it all right there. Red wave likely. They've been denying this for the last several weeks, that there is any kind of uh, red wave or a tsunami. I think it's a tsunami that's coming as the GOP gains crucial edge. And when you're looking at a lot of these different races, uh, races that everybody said were solidly blue and we're going to stay that way, that uh, Pelosi was telling you, you know, we're we're coming on. That Biden just yesterday said uh, we're going to finish strong. They're not. It's just the opposite. Red is coming on. Republicans are coming on, and it's going to be very interesting to see uh, what it all pans out because. It all depends on the 8th. I mean, it all depends on when they count, count the votes. I mean, I'm sitting here talking. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very comfortable in saying to you that uh, Republicans take the House. I believe that Republicans are going to take the Senate. I'm comfortable in saying it. But I could be wrong. I mean, I really could. I could be wrong. We'll see if I am or not come, uh, you know, the 8th. But the midterm elections now are less than two weeks away. This is the Hill talking. The nonpartisan Cook political report uh, yesterday increased its outlook for House GOP gains to 12 to 25 seats. That's not even close. I believe it would be somewhere between 25 and maybe as many as 40 seats. 
as uh, Democrats' blue state problems are expanded. Here, he, I'll let you crawl in my head a little bit. That's always a scary thought. But uh, here's why I feel the way I do. Ever since the beginning of the year, the number one issue for people has been inflation, cost of fuel, cost of food. And, uh, and then under those, uh, you had the immigration problems, the crime problem. Crime problem is either two or three. And uh, a few more. The Democrats, ever since Dobbs, ever since the Supreme Court said, hey, we're going to send whether abortion is legal in your state or not back to your state legislature to decide it, that's been the, uh, the Democrats' number one issue they brought up. I mean, look, the president brought it up uh, just the other day when he was talking to uh, members of the, uh, the Democrat uh, National Party. Pelosi has said it. A lot of their members have said it. And uh, only about 8% of Americans are, you know, really zeroing in on uh, abortion. They're much more zeroed in on can I feed my family. Uh, My dollar is becoming worth less and less. My 401k is being destroyed. My I, I wanted to be able to retire at the end of this year, and now it's going to have to push it off a couple of years and keep on working, not happy with that. Uh, you got them talking about, I can't even go outside and, and walk in my suburb because I feel like I'm being watched by criminals. Uh, if you're in some of the big cities, you're exactly right. You can't even stand on um, uh, an area and wait for a, a subway train and not be worried that somebody's going to suddenly run across the, uh, the the subway platform and push you off like the gentleman we saw on uh, the Internet the last few days ago. Uh, and this, this no-cash um, setup that they've got about getting out of uh, out of jail is not working uh, since that went into effect. Crime has risen forty percent. Philadelphia, all kinds of murders going on there. We can go down the line. St. Louis, all kinds of murders there. Little Rock, all kinds of murders going on here. This whole no cash bail is a abysmal failure. And though it's not, you know, in vogue here in Little Rock yet, it's talked about. They'd like to do it if they thought they could get away with it and still stay in office. Now, if you if you reelect the Democrat, and I know it's nonpartisan, you know as well as I do, that's BS. You know who the liberal is. You know who the conservative is. You vote for the liberal. You're going to get all of those types of things put into play here in uh, in Little Rock. Look, when we elected our our, our newest Pulaski prosecutor, Soros uh, Soros money was being thrown 
just hand over fist into uh, the person uh, that is the progressive, and they still lost. Guy that one is a a conservative, and that's good. But we still got a crime problem because the policies of the city are progressive. Progressive usually is a good word, but in the case of this, it's a bad word. It's bad news. So um, the GOP needs five seats to flip the House. A new NBC News poll shows 78% of Republicans have a high interest in voting and uh, only about 65% of Democrats. Uh, that just that wraps it all up. Even the Democrats don't like what Biden's doing in the Democrat Party. They're not th- thrilled with it. When he's looked at how he's handling the economy, the president is in, in the 30s. If the if you ask how uh, the country is going, which in the direction it's going, are they happy? Uh, Seventy, almost eighty percent of people say no. The writing is on the wall here. If people, uh, unless people are totally schizophrenic, and I don't think that you are. Anyway, uh, Sean McElvey, who's the executive director of Data for Progress, it's a very progressive research and polling firm, said this, quote, we thought for a little bit that we would defy gravity, but the reality now has set in. Let me uh, let me uh, define that. We thought we might had a chance, but now we're going we're going to get killed. The reality has come in. He said that with Democrats on the defensive in states across the country, the party's goal should now be to limit its losses and look forward to taking back the House in 2024. Uh, Razor-tight margins mean all eyes will be on a handful of key states. Uh, But uh, voters may not learn the results on uh, that Tuesday night because of state election laws, various voting systems, and when states count early votes, that could also combine to keep people waiting for days and even weeks for results. And uh, I've got a story on that. When we come back, I'll give you an idea about this. In Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin, and Ohio, all important states Uh, when we look at who's going to be in control of the Senate. So we'll do that when we come back. Right now, I want to remind you about PI Roofing. PI Roofing is uh, PI Roofing. You know, they're still your uh, roof leak detectives, but they're also your home solution. What does that mean? It means that they they don't just do roofs and do them as well and as professional and as great as they've always done it. But they also do construction away from your roof. If you're looking to have some construction done around your house, you know, typically uh, it's it's not a, a huge uh, job that you want done. I know I had them come out and look at my, uh, my deck. I need some work done on my deck. But if I call one of the major construction companies, they're going to say, that's, you know, that's a pittance. You know, we we don't have time to deal with that. So um, PI Roofing will, and they'll come out and take care of what it is that you're looking to get done. So that's something important for you to think about. You know how well they do roofing. Uh, They'll also do this construction just as professional. If you need windows, if you need gutters, 
They'll take care of that as well. All you have to do is call them, and that's at 501-707-3115. I use them exclusively on my roof, and I'm going to use them on this construction job. I just wait for them to send me and tell me how much it's going to cost. So that's uh, where we're sitting on, on that. But uh, 501-707-3115 is their local number if you just want to do it uh, by uh, the Internet, by on their web. All you got to do is go to the web address. That's piroofing.com. Let's get back and uh, talk a little further here. We were talking about, you know, there, you may have a long wait to find out about what's going on in some of these states. Uh, in Alaska... Their, uh, la- their nickname, again, is uh, The Last Frontier. Don't forget that. Uh, is especially fitting this election cycle, given that the state is likely to be the last one to report its unofficial election results due to its use of ranked choice voting. Remember, a few years ago, you had, you had the chance to vote on that? And whether you wanted to have ranked choice voting, you overwhelmingly said no. Thank God to that. Don't want this these jungle uh, primary stuff. Ranked choice voting requires voters to rank candidates in terms of preference. And if no candidate outright receives at least half of the vote in the first round, the candidate with the lowest number of votes gets knocked out. The voters who uh, place the eliminated candidate as their first place pick then have their votes uh, redistributed to their second choice. The uh, process continues until one candidate notches more than 50% of the vote. Alaska is the site of two critical contests this year, uh, the House race that will decide whether uh, Congresswoman Mary Peltola will serve out a full two-year term for the state's at-large congressional district and the race to decide whether Senator Lisa Murkowski wins re-election. So don't expect that on uh, the 8th we'll have an answer to that. Probably will not. In Arizona, the Grand Canyon State features several high-profile matchups, including... The gubernatorial race between Republican Carrie Lake and Democrat uh, Katie Hobbs and the race between Senator Mark Kelly and Republican Blake Masters. That's probably the one that you're watching. Uh, it's one of those races that are it's going to make a difference uh, as far as uh, the uh, the Senate is concerned and who controls the Senate. So people will be keeping a close eye on that. The early voting period began back on October 12th. It will end on November 4th. Polling locations will remain open on the day of the election between 6 a.m. and 7 p.m. local time. Uh, The first batch of election results will be reported sometime after 8 p.m. local time on November 8th, according to the Arizona Secretary of State's office. Uh, But they're just telling you it's not going to all come in uh, very, very quickly. In Georgia, you know, with Jim Crow 2.0, according to Biden's going on, uh, 
Governor Brian Kemp and Democratic gubernatorial candidate Stacey Abrams are going head-to-head in a rematch uh, this uh, November. Abrams uh, now is behind Kemp by about eight points. Uh, She lost to Kemp in 2018 by a little more than one percentage point and said that it was because of voter suppression that it happened. She denied the results. Of course, nobody, nobody, you know, Char, you know, ch- you know, went nuts over her saying that. Uh, but if somebody else says it and happens to be a Republican, everybody piles on. Uh, meanwhile, Senator Raphael Warnock, uh, the Democrat, is vying for another term against Republican Herschel Walker uh, in the Senate. Early in-person voting in that state began on October 17th, runs until November 4th. Polls will remain open on Election Day between 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Political observers expect that Georgia's Senate race will go to a runoff, which would happen if neither Warnock nor Walker is able to notch more than 50 percent of the vote. Should that happen, the runoff would take place December 6th. Uh, Charles Bullock, uh, the Richard B. Russell chairman in political science at the University of Georgia, said unofficial election results in statewide races and the gubernatorial race could come as early as 10 p.m. local time. The Senate race may take a lot longer. What's going to be critical for Democrats will be how well they do in the big metro counties like Fulton, DeKalb, uh, DeKalb, increasingly uh, uh, Gwinnett, Cobb, because those are the biggest counties. Most uh, precincts, most votes... It may take a while for those before we get a really good idea on those, he noted. Um, Both races are pointing against their opponent within the margin of error. That's they're looking at that. That's my printer cut off half that line. Bottom line telling you that it's so close. Nobody knows for sure who's going to win. Early voting in the state runs between October 22nd, November 4th. Polls open on Election Day between 7 a.m. 7 p.m. local time. Experts said to expect some wait time before voters know where some of the state's races stand, given what previous elections have shown. Quote, Nevada was notoriously slow in county ballots in 2020 and in their primaries for 2022. Arizona was slightly quicker, said Dempsey, the lecturer at Arizona State University. And then finally, Ohio, that's between Ryan, the Democrat, and uh, Portman, the Republican, uh, hoping to loosen, and that's not right, Vance is the Republican, uh, is hoping to loosen the GOP's recent grip on the erstwhile swing state, but he's running in a competitive election against Republican J.D. Vance, who uh, notched former President Trump's uh, uh, endorsement. Ohio's early voting period, including in-person voting and absentee voting, began on October 12th. The polls are open on Election Day between 6.30 a.m. and 7.30 p.m. Absentee ballots must have a postmark date of no later than November 7th in order to be received and counted. The Oklahoma or the Ohio Secretary of State's office told the Hill they believed that uh, they would have results on uh, November 8th. So uh, we will we will see what they have to say about that. Over in Wisconsin, last state. Uh, among the Badger State's marquee races are the contests between Governor Tony Evers, the Democrat, 
and Trump-backed candidate Tim Michaels, Republican, and the race between Senator Ron Johnson, the incumbent, and Democrat Mandela Barnes. The early voting in the state began on October 25th, kind of like us, a uh, day after us, in fact, and runs until November 6th. Uh, polling places are open in the state between the nine, uh, 7 a.m. 8 p.m. State officials said unofficial results could likely be ready early the next morning following this election. Given that unofficial results in both the 18 and 20 general elections weren't complete until the early morning hours after Election Day, it would be reasonable to assume it may take until then for unofficial results to be tabulated and posted this year, said Riley Vetterkind, Public Information Office at the Wisconsin Elections Commission. They're kind added. Many factors may influence how long it takes to compile initial results, such as the volume of ballots, the process, and whether there are any unforeseen circumstances that could delay reporting. So there you go. That brings you all up to date on it all. Coming up in the next hour, we will uh, start it off uh, by talking to Congressman Hill and then finish it up on uh, 7.35 with Congressman Westerman. And then at 9 o'clock today, uh, we will have Mark Lowry with us, state representative uh, over in Maumelle. He will join us, and uh, he is running for treasurer. We'll talk to him about how he sees the, uh, uh, the race going, and uh, we'll talk to him about uh, what he thinks is important for you to consider about the treasurer's race. Plus, I'll talk to him about what we can probably see coming up uh, starting on January 9th when the uh, new General Assembly is seated and they get to work. So all that's coming up. Stick around for all of that. Uh, Traffic's looking pretty good right now. Weather's good. Pavement is dry. So be careful out there. Uh, Just make sure you check those other lanes before you start making moves into them. And please, don't follow too closely. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Hang on. We come back for another hour here in about six minutes. Seven o'clock hour. We're going to go to, uh, I'd say we're going to Washington, but both of our congressmen are back home right now. They don't have to be in D.C. again, I think, until November 14th when they'll be uh, called back into session at that time. So they get a little bit of a break to come home and to to do some politicking as they get ready to defend their seats uh, in this newest uh, election that we got going on. And uh, we're going to talk to them today a little bit about that, what they're seeing out on the campaign trail, and then uh, talk about some things that is uh, going on. For instance, here's here's the first thing I want to give to you, Congressman. Congressman Hill is with us. Congressman French Hill from District 2. This is from the Hill Morning Report today, Congressman. And as you know, the Hill is not known for being a bastion of conservative thought. But uh, but here is here is their headline today: Red wave likely in House as GOP gains crucial edge. 
I'll let you talk about this because what are you seeing here in the state of Arkansas, and then what are you hearing from your compatriots in the House about the turnout for this year's election? Well, good morning, Dave. Good to be with you. I think the turnout uh, appears strong. I saw where John Thurston, our Secretary of State here in Arkansas, uh, reported that uh, it was on in, online for 2014 and 2018 off-year elections. About 50% uh, plus uh, turnout. Uh, so that's that's certainly good. Uh, we'd always like it if everybody who was eligible to vote would vote, and we encourage people to do that. But mm-hmm. That's still a strong turnout. And I see turnout strong all over the country. This idea that democracy is dying and that nobody can vote just irritates the heck out of me. It's ridiculous. I mean, we've got more people voting uh, than ever before in this country. And so I just, uh, it's real frustrating to hear that. Now, the uh, definitely I'm seeing strong numbers because Republicans are focused on the issues that our families care about. Community safety, uh, the border, drugs, and number one, inflation and what's going to happen to the economy. And Joe Biden is just like every day is a new day blaming somebody else for the mistakes of his own decision. Yep. Yeah, it's interesting to me because the president, the Speaker of the House, the Senate pro tem, those are like the three number one big people in the, in, the, in the government as far as uh, how they're running things right now. All three of them said democracy is on the ballot this year. And I'm with you. There are more people voting right now here in this country than ever before. Georgia is a prime example of that. Look at Pennsylvania. Over 600,000 uh, absentee ballots have already been turned in. And uh, they act like uh, we're living in China or something. Do we still have the congressman? I think we lost him. Thank sorry, I hit. No. Uh, I, I hit. Sorry, I hit the mute button. I'm in the car, so I, oh, okay. I want you to have feedback. I'm sorry. Uh, I, uh, I, uh, you know, am seeing people say that you know our elections are third world and that people don't have the right to vote. Dave, this is we've got to push back on this. We have uh, the best voting system in the country, and we do have voter integrity, and we have better voter integrity today than we had two years ago because of states all over this country uh, fine-tuning and improving their voter laws. And yet Democrats still to this day want the federal government to take over elections, let 16-year-old votes, have same-day voter registration, and no voter ID, zero voter ID. So... They are the ones that are endangering uh, orderly democracy at the ballot box, mm-hmm. not Republicans. And so it's it's just typical diversionary tactics. When you're losing an election, you start calling people names and start telling them that they that you know your vote doesn't matter. Did you see where Hillary Clinton came out uh, yesterday and said, you know, Republicans were already cheating on the 2024 election? I mean, you know, I know Americans hang on her every word, but, I mean, what a joke. I mean, what a joke. Yeah. I mean. and I, I, you can't take her serious with anything now. She's, she's become a caricature of herself. 
She really yeah. has. All right, uh, 11 after 7, we've got uh, Congressman French Hill on. And as you know, as I've been reminding you, we're 13 days out from the election. Uh, you can vote right now. I voted uh, Monday and got it over with so I didn't have to have it hanging over my head. And and if something just happened to come up that I wouldn't be able to get out and do it, uh, my wife and I went over and cast our ballots in Cabot uh, Monday morning. Well, afternoon. It was about one thirty-five, and the line was about 20 people long. Uh, I understood that morning from some people that it was uh, out the door there by the library and uh, down the side of the library as people were waiting to cast their ballots. I think Republicans are, are really just chomping at the bit to go to the go to the, the ballot and cast your ballots or go to the, the voting polls and, and cast your ballots, uh, Congressman. And I know that I, I looked at a story today from Cook Political Report, and, you know, they say that they're they're bipartisan, you know, they're, you know, that's BS. You know that, I know that. They're not by any way stretching imagination. I call it the Cooked Report. Yeah, the cooked report. That's good. I like that. Can I use that? Absolutely. Okay, well, I'll use that. Uh, they're saying now uh, that the House gains may be as high as 25. I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say we're going to be somewhere between 40 and 45. I think we're going to win almost everything. That's just the way I see it. I see it happening yeah. all over the place. Well, I definitely see uh, the wave. I see it. Where, where we have super tight races, and we knew they were tight races, they appear to me to be tight races. But we have uh, Democratic members of Congress in 10 seats won by Trump in 2020. I, I feel like those are certain. We've picked up seats in Texas. We've picked up seats in Florida. We've picked up seats in New York. Uh, and then in the competitive battlegrounds, I think we're going to uh, win seats back from Democrats in Nevada and uh, several other states. So I'm comfortable in that 25 to 35 range personally, uh, and uh, that will give us a working majority to uh, help lead the country in a different direction. It's going to it's going to be devastating. Uh, for the Democrats, if Maloney in New York loses in, in uh, what is it, 17 there, uh, there's a good yeah. possibility he's going to lose. Yeah, that, that's been, that's <laughs> he's now, the, he is the, he's the chairman of the Democratic Campaign Committee. I know. And he has uh, absolutely dissed his uh, fellow Democrats by running in a different district this year after redistricting and basically trouncing one of the Democrat conference's favorite members. Now, think about that. The chairman of your campaign committee maneuvers into a district and beats in a Democratic primary one of the favorites. Huh? It's You can't make it up. So Patrick Maloney, Maloney is uh, going down, and that would be a great, great outcome. I agree. All right. We're talking to uh, Congressman Hill. We're going to come back and continue talking to to him i gotta make some money congressman make yourself comfortable there in the car and uh, i'll be with you in just a few moments quarter after seven on the dave ellswick show don't forget about icu protection billy mack is ready to come to your house or one of his people are ready to come to your house and get your home secure uh cut your business secure and uh, one of the big issues in the mayoral race here in little rock and in central arkansas in fact has uh, been, uh, you know, the, the rise in violence and crime here in our area. And um, to make yourself feel just a little bit better, just like I did, 
give Billy Mac a call. Uh, he'll get you set up with the door and window sensors, the indoor and outdoor cameras, all the motion detection, uh, the analytics for all of it. And uh, you go to bed at night feeling, I'm, I'm sure, feeling a lot more uh, relaxed than you did uh, uh, before. And uh, for you businessmen out there, you'll feel more relaxed that you'll know if anything's going on at your business when you're not there. You call Billy Mack, he'll take good care of you. Uh, a couple of things I want to make sure you understand about Billy Mack. He comes out, he's going to tell you how much it's going to cost you monthly, what you're going to pay for service. And uh, it's uh, right in there with all the other ABC companies that are out there doing this, uh, you know, security for you. But here's the thing where it changes. You know, you call in some of these companies, they come out and they tell you how many cameras, how many, you know, uh, sensors you need and all of that. And then they'll tell you you got to, you know, fill out a check for three, four, five, six hundred dollars. And then this is what uh, it's going to cost you for service. Not with ICU. All that hardware becomes yours immediately. It is yours to keep. Billy Mac said uh, just the other day when he was on the air, he doesn't expect to make um, money off of anybody for at least four years. That's quite the business plan, but it's why you know hundreds upon hundreds of people are shifting to ICU protection. Pay for the service, not the hardware and always remember that ICU protection offers protection to nuke one if they can protect a nuclear reactor they can take care of your house they can take care of your small business 501-205-1333 is their number 501-205-1333 that's Billy Mac and ICU protection Back with uh, Congressman Hill here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He's Congressman District 2. How's, uh, how's the race been going as far as you're concerned, Congressman? Dave, it's been going well. You know, I've been out uh, all over the district the last month and uh, particularly stopping in Cleburne County, which is new to my district this year. Uh, the legislature added Cleburne. So I have Van Buren and I have White County now, so Cleburne fits right in the middle. That means I have all of the Greer's Ferry Lake uh, region, so I've been spending time there a lot this year, getting to know constituents, listening to what they're on their mind. And look, universally, the top issues I hear about from the people I see every single day in cafes, at rotary clubs and meetings is uh, inflation. Our, our families here, we have the average family income here, household income is about $45,000. And people are spending $7,000 more this year than last year for the same basket of things they always need. Yeah. Food at the grocery store, back to school clothes, gas at the pump. And that's crushing. Think yeah. about that on an, for our families, particularly our seniors, and particularly those uh, moms and dads trying to raise kids right now. It is tough. So that's what I hear about, and that's what I think the Republicans have focused on in our campaign. I think that's why we're winning. We're focused on the kitchen table and what people are talking about. And education is in there, Dave. Right to uh, have options in your education. Right as parents to guide your children's education, not be told what to do by some bureaucrat. Uh, Public safety. (laughs) You just mentioned public safety. And... um, uh, my sweet kids just buried in a month two of their friends from mm. a drug overdose. Oh, geez. That's, uh, we're, we're up over 10 kids in their age group that we've lost in the last decade due to drugs. 
and it, it's why I can't support this uh, Amendment 4 thing on the ballot to, to legalize recreational marijuana. Even if you were for it, the way this ballot constitutional amendment reads you you wouldn't you wouldn't support it yeah i'm not supporting it i don't know this is what people are talking about they're not talking about uh all these climate issues and all this stuff pelosi's talking about that democracy is at risk and all that i don't i don't hear yeah and and abortion and of course that's that's one well that's a religious religious movement within the uh democrat party and they're going to talk about it but the bottom line when you look in the list of things that people are concerned about and the people that i talk about it very seldom comes up yeah and you know what i think really irritates people is joe biden and his co-conspirators schumer and pelosi when they when they don't take responsibility for the border. Oh, the border is secure. Well, yep. it's obviously not. 3.5 million people have crossed the border illegally. Those are the ones we've caught. That's the whole population of Arkansas. 900,000 have seen have been seen on cameras and are somewhere in the U.S. that we never could interdict. <laughs> Enough fentanyl to kill the population here 13 times over. So that's where I think people recognize the failed leadership of Nancy Pelosi and, and Joe Biden is they won't recognize a problem and take responsibility. Yeah, let me give you a real good example of what you're saying about uh, schools. A lawyer for a school board in New Jersey gave his interpretation of the law at a recent board meeting in which he said, and I'm, I'm, I'm quoting him, Uh, The rights of parents, quote, is not to dictate what their children are taught. It is to only determine where they attend. Well, look, your primary responsibility as a parent is to raise, raise these children. And that's in every way. Health, education, the best you can afford, the best you can be. We all dream of our kids having a better life than ours. That's the first responsibility of a parent. So by golly, it's about what their brain is being filled up with and what their cultural and social environment is. That's that's the whole point of raising kids. And so that guy's a, a legal numbnut, you know, who's focused on he's clearly not a parent and he's a bureaucrat. And it takes all the emotional content out of the critical role parents have with their kids. So, you know, more nonsense from the left. Yeah, last question for you. Are you, is it not driving you crazy about how the Democrats are gaslighting everybody and say, I didn't say that. I mean, Fetterman last night said that he was uh, against fracking before suddenly he's got the light of Jesus and said he's for fracking. <laughs> and then and then you had, uh, you got Whitmer saying, hey, I only, I only closed down the schools for three months. Listen to what she said. She said, that's all I did. The, the Department of Education in Michigan closed them down for the rest of the time. You know, but last time I looked, the Department of Education was under Whitmer in the state yeah. of, uh, of Michigan. I mean, it, this is amazing to me. Running from their bad positions and their bad policies, and these bad positions and bad policies have made it harder for American families, put the country at risk, uh, put our fiscal situation in a catastrophic position, and that's why I have every confidence we'll take the House back and we're going to start the rebuilding phase 
of trying to get back on track in this country and go back to pre-pandemic spending priorities and regulatory policies where we turned over to Joe Biden lowest unemployment in 50 years, 4% GDP growth and zero inflation. And, you know, look at what we got. Yeah. Yeah. What what's the first thing you guys to tackle, do you think? Well, I think we're going to tackle if we get the House and the Senate, we're going to tackle uh, early in the year the spending issue because we can try to use budget reconciliation uh, to like repeal and reshape that IRS Inflation Production Act measure of hiring 87,000 people, spending 45 billion on enforcement. You know, we we think the IRS needs new computer systems and new customer service people. So we'll certainly encourage spending in those areas to replace 1970s computer systems. But we're going to roll back uh, the regulatory agenda of Joe Biden. We're going to argue that we should make the Trump tax cuts permanent uh, to help our families and uh, help our business growth. We want to push an all-of-the-above energy strategy. We're going to push a parent's bill of rights that parents have to be involved in knowing what the curriculum is for their kids and working with their school uh, schools and school districts. Uh, we're going to have accountability for this administration, not just the uh, Hunter Biden laptop stuff. What about the borders failures? What about the Afghan failures? What about looking at the true origins of COVID? So mm-hmm. we're going to conduct rigorous oversight, and we've got two committees that are ready to do it. They've done the homework. Jim Comer, Oversight Committee Chairman from Kentucky, solid person. And Jim Jordan of Ohio would be the Judiciary Committee Chairman. And they're ready to go to work on the oversight. In House Financial Services, we don't want Joe Biden to tell banks he can't lend they can't lend money to drill an oil well. And we're gonna stop that kind of nonsense. It's mm. insane. Sounds great. We'll talk more about that after the 8th. In fact, I have you on the 9th, so we'll be ready to go. We'll be ready to go. You have a good one. We'll talk to you later, Congressman. Thank you very much. Congressman French Hill, District 2, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. By the way, I'll be speaking to the the, the Republican women of Pulaski County at their lunch on November 10th. I've been invited to come and kind of talk about the election and my thoughts about it. I'm going to be happy to do that. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I would get in, in touch with them if you'd like to come. It's going to be a fun and and, uh, and bouncy day, to say the least, there uh, at that luncheon. So I'm looking forward to attending it, and I hope that you will as well. All right, uh, we've got about 30 seconds, and I've got to get you over to Bill O'Reilly, so we're going to do that. Then we're going to hear from Congressman Bruce Westerman from District 4. Uh, he's in the state. We'll find out uh, what's going on in, in his district and what he's hearing from his voters, and uh, we'll talk to him about that. We'll talk to him about some of the same things that we just talked to to Congressman Hill about. It's the Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. Uh, you stick around. we got a lot more coming your way. Back with you. We're going to track down, and we have tracked down, the uh, Congressman for, for the 4th District. That's Bruce Westerman. He's waiting to talk with you. Before we talk to him, let's make sure you realize that East End Towing, if you need help, on the road because your car breaks down or your trailer breaks down or your camper breaks down. What do you do? They got all the answers for any situation you find yourself in. 
East End Towing can handle it. They've got the answers to get you off the side of the road. Uh, Just give them a call, 501-888-8849. That's 501-888-8849. There's nothing worse than being broke down and you need help and you don't know who to call. So put this in your cell phone, 501-888-8849. Give a call to East End Towing and let them come to your aid. All right, with that said, now let's move and talk to uh, Congressman Bruce Westerman. Congressman, it's good to have you join us today. Thank you so much for giving us some time. I know that you're a busy, busy man. Good morning, Dave. It's always uh, great to take time to visit with you and uh, talk to your listeners. Uh, One of the highlights of the week. Well, let's talk about what you're hearing. You tell us you're you're you've been out traveling around your district, and you have a big district. Uh, what are the people telling you? Uh, they're they're ready for change. They're ready to uh, uh, break up this uh, unified Democrat control in D.C. That's brought us to this point where uh, you know you look back two years ago, we were energy independent. Inflation was uh, hardly even talked about, and uh, you weren't paying an arm and a leg for gas or food. Um, we felt like we were strong on the world stage, uh, and I mean, in a short period of time, uh, this liberal—I uh, don't know what you call it—kind uh, of uh, governing that we've seen has just seemed to have ruined everything. Yeah, that's an understatement. <laughs> yeah, they have destroyed everything. That's what they're what they're doing. Uh, I talked to uh, Congressman Hill about this. Um, uh, let me read you the article from the Hill today. You may not have seen it. I look at it every every weekday morning. Believe it or not just so I know what the other side is saying, because the Hill, as I told Congressman Hill, is not a bastion of conservative thought. And they have been saying that the Democrats had a chance of holding on to the House, and they definitely would hold on to the Senate. Here is what the Hill's uh, morning report headline read. Red wave likely in House as GOP gains crucial edge. And I think uh, most of us have been watching this closely that are politicals, and um, it's going just how I thought it was going to go. And uh, everything, you know, when you have a lot of independents that say they don't know how they're going to vote towards the end of the election, they tend to break towards one party. And I didn't expect them to break towards the Democrats. Uh, people are talking about inflation. They're talking about high uh, food prices. They're talking about high gas prices. They're talking about the borders in disarray. Uh, they're talking about high crime. And when you talk about any of those five issues, guess who's the best on those issues? Republicans. So I've expected this to happen for some time. And now it looks like the chickens are getting ready to come home to roost. With me saying that, though, that's not me saying don't go and vote. That it's a done deal. I'm not saying that. You got to vote to make it a done deal. That's what you got to do. And I've already done that, and uh, and voted uh, in uh, in Cabot for myself, and take in my uh, my wife has voted as well. And uh, turnout's been good in uh, in Cabot. How has it been looking across uh, your your district and 
what do you think about the Hill? One of the more liberal papers suddenly, you know, figuring out that bad things are going to happen. Well, we've been doing internal polling all along, and we know what issues are on people's mind, and we know that uh, food prices, gas prices, uh, inflation, uh, education is a is a huge issue. Uh, if you if you look at what um, we put together in our commitment to America, those issues are like seventy and eighty percent issues with American citizens, uh, regardless of of party. Um, What the Democrats have focused on are January 6th and abortion. And that's the, they they don't want to talk about the actions they've taken that have caused these problems. And those numbers, uh, or what you were reading just really coincides with everything that we've been seeing in internal polling all along. But i also say that with hesitancy i don't want people to think this is going to be easy uh we really need folks to to get out and vote uh this week i've um i'm actually in uh i'm in the the heart of the the socialist out here this morning in portland oregon Uh, i came out to help uh, some candidates we've got a chance to pick up three seats in oregon Uh, and who would have ever thought that and i was i did a little town hall with the candidate yesterday and i was hearing those same kind of comments um not in portland but south of portland uh where uh, i think we've got a a great chance to uh, flip seats i was in arizona a couple of days ago and i think we've got a chance to flip three seats in arizona so uh, this is a huge opportunity that we have to um uh, to win as many seats as, as possible, and it's uh, the type of election that doesn't come along that often. But uh, right now, it's uh, um, you know a little under two weeks to the election, and we haven't won anything yet. That's so, right. Uh, what we keep telling people: you have to get out and vote, and don't miss this opportunity to make a statement to Joe Biden and the liberals and the direction they're taking this country. Well, the Republican Party is much more energized uh, than the Democrat Party. An article I read just the other day, and, and again, from a group that said that they're not partisan, the Cook Report, uh, said that Republicans are about 90 percent wanting to vote, where Democrats at about uh, you know, 65 to 68 percent are wanting to vote. That's a huge, huge momentum uh difference between the two parties yeah and we're we're seeing that as well can if, if you're a democrat what have you got to be excited about what, what have they done that motivates you to want to go out and 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 cheer for your team because they've been losing on basically everything they they touch well and that's because their policies is, stink that's right if you think this is winning um you you need to reexamine your your motivation. Yeah, I agree. They may you may want to be a Washington uh, uh, what what do they call commander fan? I mean, <laughs> that's a poor yeah, that's a really yeah or a Vanderbilt you know football fan. I mean, that's you know in the SEC it's just it's it's, it's not true. 
And, and already some of them are starting to say, well, 20, look, we'll take all these seats back in 2024. What, you think you're going to win on running and fighting and saying, yeah, the Republicans uh, have changed everything and it's actually working. Vote for me and put me back in office and let's destroy it again. I don't think that's a really good political uh, uh, story to take out to the American people. No, and uh, the thing I'm hearing from people uh, in at home in my district as I travel across the country is uh, they want accountability for this um, administration, and they're not seeing any accountability. That's one of the four pillars of our commitment to America is a government that's accountable. And, uh, you know, people realize that if we win the House, we can pass pretty much whatever bill we want to out of the house but you still got to get it through the senate and most bills take 60 votes in the senate and you've got to get it signed into law so it's an uphill battle to actually pass new laws and and change policy from that standpoint but we can certainly have oversight over what the administration is doing and expose it to the american people and we can also uh, stop bad stuff you know, they're not going to get anything, any more crazy legislation passed with a Republican-controlled House. And if we get the House and the Senate, we can put a lot more pressure uh, on the president with, with policies moving forward. Um, but, you know, if you look back at what happened to Bill Clinton, Republicans just wiped out the Democrats in, uh, uh, I guess it was in 94. And Clinton was smart enough to listen to the policies that the Republicans were putting forward with the contract with America and actually signed some of that into law and then took credit for it. Yeah, then he took credit for sure. it. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the welfare reform that Republicans had talked about and, and pushed through and, and Clinton signed it, and that's fine if uh, as long as the good policies get put in place. But if you look at the, the crew that's over at the White House uh, with from Biden and Harris on down, it's really the people working behind the scenes that I think are, are calling the shots. Um, there's a, a group there called CEQ, uh, the Council of Environmental Quality, and I cannot wait to invite them to our committee for hearings to talk to them about <laughs> the policies that are being made uh, on, on energy. Uh, but I don't think they're going to let Biden work with uh, with Republicans because they're so sold out on these socialist ideas that they're pushing. All right. We've got to take a break. Uh, Congressman, stick with us. We'll be right back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I want to talk about one of the big lies that's out there by uh, the Democrats and the left, and that is on the the uh, commitment to America that somewhere in there it says that they're going to you guys are going to cut Medicare and you're going to cut uh, all kinds of social programs. We'll talk about that when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Congressman Bruce Westerman is on the line with us right now. By the way, Congressman, I just saw your uh, your latest ad on TV. Very good, nice job. Oh, thank you. I uh, when I built my woodshed, I never knew it would be the. Uh part of a tv commercial but we thought that uh, kind of told the message this year yeah it was good it was really really good hey when i left you i was mentioning uh house republic or, or you guys have rolled out the commitment to america the uh the other side has been saying and last night we heard it during the uh, oz fetterman 
uh, debate when Fetterman yelled out over Raza's closing statement, they want to cut Social Security. Uh, There's a graphic that's going around that claims that the plan would make cuts to Medicare and Social Security. And uh, this has been going around since October. It shows the same logo as the Commitment to America plan, spells out what Republicans are going to purportedly do if they take the majority in the election. Uh, But it's been debunked by a lot of different uh, media that have looked at this. Uh, I'll just go to you. I mean, you're a Republican. Is there anything in the commitment to America that says we're going to cut Medicare and Social Security? Absolutely not. And Dave, it's like they've got a, a, a manual they go to. And it's one of the things they pull out is Republicans will cut Medicaid or Medicare and Social Security. They do it every single time. It, it can be the strangest issue. And the Democrats start screaming, Republicans are going to cut Medicare and Social Security. And there's no basis for anything they say. It's a... Uh, it's it's laughable. They're pathetic. Yeah, and 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 it's and it's a flat out lie. I mean, it's not just you know, oh, we misspoke. This is it's a flat out lie. What they're saying. It's an intentional lie. It's not. You can't um, just say they misheard something, or it's just a, a, a straight out intentional lie, and they do it. All the time. How many times have you heard them? Like, if we have a big bill moving through Congress, well, this is going to cut Medicare and Social oh, Security. Yeah. If they don't, they don't like a, a candidate. It's going to cut Medicare and and Social Security. It's just like the old playbook they go to. And unfortunately, there must be gullible people that that believe them sometimes. All right. So, question. You, you know what's cut Medic? Go ahead. You, you know what's cut Social. You know what's cut Social Security is their inflationary policy yeah. to make your Social Security check work less. That's exactly right. Makes your dollar work less. If you're saving money for retirement or you're in retirement and you're on a fixed income, your money is worth less. And there's people that now that are not going to retire uh, because uh, they thought they were going to have X amount of dollars to retire on, and they don't have that money anymore. Yeah, so who's cut... Who's cut your retirement? Who's, who's made your Social Security less valuable? And who's put your Social Security uh, in jeopardy of sustainability over the long run? It's Democrats and their spending. They are they project, uh, they do their actions and then project them on somebody else better than anybody I've ever seen. Yeah, they do do that. That's no doubt. Uh, I didn't ask uh, Congressman Hill this question. I wanted to specifically ask you because yeah, you tend to be more uh, straight shooting in, in your answers. And that is, how worried are you if when you guys take over the House, and I think we're going to win the Senate as well, how crazy do you think the left is going to go in the lame duck session uh, between uh, November and January when you all get your new people seated? As uh, as crazy as um, as they're allowed to go, <clears throat> um, so that we got the National Defense Authorization Act that's sitting out there right now that should have already been passed that the Democrats saved it for the lame duck. Uh, so you got all these negotiations going on, as, and as a leader of Republican leader on my committee, I see these list of wish items that are coming by 
that they want to put in the the NDAA, and they you know they asked for my input. Would I support these? And um, my starting position is if it's not defense related, no, I don't support it. Um, but I'm talking about hundreds of of amendments uh, that have absolutely nothing to do with the D- Department of Defense or security of our country that they're trying to stick in the the NDAA and the lame duck. You're also going to have an omnibus funding bill that will, uh, it'll be horrible, the stuff they'll try to put into that. So, yeah, I think they're going to do what happens in, uh, uh, you know, pretty much every lame duck is they try to pass these big bills and, and get everything cleared off the deck that they couldn't get past uh, leading up to the lame duck. So I really hope that Republicans will hold the line as much as we can. Uh, and that really comes down to the Senate and those uh, those votes. It'll be 10 votes that are needed from Republicans to pass something through the Senate. Uh, I hope... Um, I hope we'll hold the line on that. Otherwise, you could see another big spending package right before uh, uh, the end of the year. You know, probably on a Friday before Christmas or something like that. That's when they like to do those things. Yeah, midnight of Christmas Eve, probably. Uh, last question uh, uh, for you, uh, Congressman. And I've talked to you about what you want to do when you get your committee going on, when you're the head of natural resources and things of that nature. But I want to talk about natural, natural, de- not natural, national uh, defense. And that is this wokeism stuff that they are promoting within the military that's going to make us less safe as a nation. Uh, what can you guys do about that? Or is that all about the commander in chief? That starts at the commander-in-chief, and it starts with these um, less-than-qualified people that they've put in place in the in the White House that are pushing uh, an agenda that's not about our, our safety and our national defense. So, again, that comes back to oversight and discipline when we're in the majority uh, on things like the uh, defense authorization and, and the defense appropriation bills. Uh, I'm not sure if we talked about this, but I recently um, went out to Fallon Naval Air Station where they train the Top Gun pilots. Yeah, you were talking about and that. Yeah, and you know the uh, if if you ever wondering, you know, how do I what does it feel like to be a proud American? Go out and see something like that, and talk to the the people that are uh, you know they're on the very tip of the spear uh, with with things that are happening in the world and we've got some just tremendous individuals serving in the military and you know the very last thing we want to do is discourage them to make them try to find an off-ramp to get out of their service Uh, we're having a horrible time filling recruiting numbers right now and it should be no mystery with this bunch that we've got in control in in washington and especially in the white house why young people don't want to to join the service today so we've got a lot of work we need to do on that and look at how quickly that happened it it only took them about or less than two years to change attitudes and to uh uh, spew this vomit across the country of this wokeism it's infiltrating every part of society and we have to push back that All right. We'll let you go. We thank you for your time. You have a great afternoon, uh, Congressman. We'll talk to you next week. 
Uh, you too, Dave. God bless. All right. Congressman Bruce Westerman, District 4, Dave Ellswick Show. Mark Lowry be making his way to the studio at 9 o'clock here for the Dave Ellswick Show. I'll be back for that interview. you be here as well. Last hour of a Wednesday show, 9 o'clock. We always keep a big guest coming in at 9 o'clock for you. Today, State Representative Mark Lowry from Maumelle joins me here in studio on the Dave Ellswick Show. He, of course, is seeking the office of uh, treasurer for the state of Arkansas. Just know how I feel about this. It's very, very simple. We will carry every constitutional office again in the state of Arkansas. And uh, so... I won't call you Mr. Treasurer, but I'll be calling you Mr. Treasurer in the near future. Thank you, Dave. At least I feel that way. I appreciate that. I think that's going to happen. All right. Well, you're still a representative, so let's let's talk about your your thoughts on what's coming up in in January and and, uh, maybe about who's running to replace your position and things of that nature. First of all, I don't know who's who is running for your position. Is that Brown? No, uh, it's uh, Brandon Aker, who okay. is a uh, pharmacist uh, uh, there in Maumelle, and good guy, very very strong conservative. Um, I need th- to get him on then. Yeah, he, he'd love to him. come on. And thank you for having me on this. Well, morning. yeah, I, I definitely look, Mark. I have the highest respect for you. You're one of the few people who went to to war about education here in the state of Arkansas. And now everybody's saying, you know, I think Mark Lowry was right. (laughs) I mean, that doesn't do you any good when you were trying to get some legislation through. But the bottom line now, people are saying that you were right about CRT. You were right about a lot of the things that were being taught. You're, you're, you know, you were right on the button about it. Well, that's been one of the most gratifying things that I've heard as I've traveled the state running for treasurer is people said, you know, you were right. You were right about those things, right about uh, uh, school districts uh, and superintendents thinking children belong to them rather than belong to parents. And I'm so glad to see that parents are rising up. Uh, We're seeing it in school board races all across the the state. Um, Conway uh, has elected some conservative school board members. That was a big deal. Yes. A couple of weeks ago, what happened about the trans deal there at the Conway uh, School District. We'll be talking about that tomorrow uh, when Jimmy Cavan is on. He's he's got some FOI things that we want to share with everybody. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a big, big deal. And, you know, it's um, – I've long known – my – back in the 80s, late 70s, 80s, my mom was uh, 
school board member of the Pulaski County Special School District. And I knew even then, you know, this is the farm team for Democrats. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where they develop uh, their their future candidates for state representative uh, and higher office. And Republicans have not been doing that. Conservatives have not been do- doing that. And I'm so glad, uh, you know, what happened in Virginia with Yunkin really woke up a, a lot of uh, conservative parents. And, uh, you know, I refer to them as mama bears and papa bears. Yep. You know, that are that are I rising I think that's up. what they call themselves, in fact, now. That's exactly right. So the Moms for Liberty group uh, is, is very involved in uh, encouraging conservatives to run for school board. We had we had one of those groups uh, up there in, in Cabot. Yes. And um, Republicans and others have painted them as being, you know, radicals, you know, and they're not. You know, what they call radicalization now, uh, you know, from the conservative side, is what it was normally like uh, back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and even beginning of 2000. Exactly. And, you know, you, you just all you have to do is watch some of these YouTube videos. There, there was a great one of a, a, a woman, and I can't remember what state it was in, but she was pushing back about a particular text or a book that was in the mm-hmm. library uh, about gay sex. And she was reading it during her three minutes that she had to speak. She was reading it verbatim, just so that it, it could be accentuated that this is pornography. Yeah. And, and we're putting it out there for elementary school, middle school kids to be able to read. And we're sanctioning it. The school board's sanctioning it. Uh, you know, this same kind of a battle is going on in Jonesboro. Oh, they have the a big, big fight up that. Yeah, I, I saw Dan Sullivan saying something about that the other day. Right. So, yeah, I saw a uh, story today on Fox News about a lawyer uh, in a New Jersey school system. Again, this is New Jersey, not Arkansas. But I'm going to tell you what. A lot of that stuff that you hear in New Jersey and California is shaking out here in this state just as well. Go to northwest Arkansas sometime and hear some of the things that they're doing. But this lawyer said uh, that it is not the uh, responsibility of parents to uh, choose curriculum uh, at their school district, that uh, all, all the, the power that they have is to determine where they want their child to go. Right. And, and that's the stuff that's got to stop. It does. And, you know, there, there used to be a time, and I've told people this, that being a flyover state, we had the benefit of being able to see bad po- policy, especially education policy, yeah. on the East Coast and the West Coast and have time to prepare for it. Now with the Internet and these uh, organizations, NEA and, and, and on, that window has closed considerably. The time that we have to respond and react to the things that are happening out, out there on the East Coast and the West Coast. And, and it takes organizations already being in existence, like Moms for Liberty, Liberty, Concerned Women of Arkansas or America, all these organizations, and joining that needs to be the Republican Party of Arkansas. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm with you on this. I really, really am. I, I've been with Mark on most things that, that he's been bringing up as possible legislation. Uh, we did get rid of the guy who 
put the kibosh on a lot of your legislation. Sturch is no longer uh, in the Senate. He'll no longer be on the Education Committee. He was the reason that a lot of the things that you wanted to do did not even, well, they didn't get to the floor. If they got into the floor, they passed. Absolutely. I mean, we actually, if it had not been so late in the session that we finally got a compromise bill, it wasn't strong as strong as I wanted it to be, but it was a compromise bill. We knew that there were enough votes on the Senate floor to, to extract the bill from committee. Senators are usually very hesitant to do that. But if we'd had a, a couple of weeks, we really only had several days. Right. Uh, we could have we could have accomplished that. And uh, you know, sometimes um, the end result ends up working okay. I think uh, education is going to be for the better. That James Sturch is no longer in the Senate. I agree. And if it took that issue to be the thing that really accentuated that and put a spotlight on him, uh, then then I'm proud to have been a part of that. Well, he caused problems when he was in the Senate, caused problems when he was in the House. In the House, you know, he had to take a phone call uh, during the special elections vote, and it was his vote that killed that bill. I mean, it, I don't have much to say about James Church. Right. All right. I know that he went out and he worked for some Republican candidates at times, and they 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 were able, I guess, to give him a lot more grace than I can. Yeah. But uh, I just looked at what he did, and, and and it's a good day that he's not there uh, in the elected body of the legislature now. All right, nine fifteen. We got. Uh, Mark Lowry here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Going to talk with him in just a few more moments about being representative Mark Lowry, because he's going to be that until January 1, I guess. And then uh, we'll talk about his uh, campaign to become treasurer of the state of Arkansas. Don't forget about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. I uh, told you the story. I'll tell you one more time. But I went over to see Eric Coleman. He's going to do some really uh, a unique creation for me. I'm getting it from my wife for, for Christmas. I'm getting one from me for Christmas as well. Uh, as you know, I'm Christ follower, and uh, I'm a, a Judeo-Christian. I tell, I tell people that all the time because a lot of people don't realize, but Jesus was a Jew. And so I'm, I'm getting the Star David made personally by, uh, by Eric. And in the middle of the Star of David... <coughs> I'm having a Christian cross put in it, and uh, I'm going to start wearing that to show my 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 Jewish roots and my Christian roots as well. Christ didn't come to start a new religion. Understand that He came to fulfill the Jewish religion, and uh, we're all we're all grafted into the vine of Jewish uh, the Jewish religion. Not born as a Jew, but I'm grafted in, so I'm I'm a spiritual Jew, so to speak. So I'm having those made, and and, and uh, Eric can do that for me, and so I'm going to get it done. We're getting it in sterling silver. My wife rather have uh, silver than have uh, uh, gold, which I always appreciate because it saves me a lot of money. So the bottom line is that's being done. I went over and saw him about it. Two weeks ago, may may I suggest to you, if you're going, you want something unique like that made, or you want a unique ring made, or um, you know, necklace, bracelet, anklet, whatever it is, that you go see Eric now, because if you want it for Christmas, he's got to get at it. He's got about twelve people already. Uh, including me, that are wanting uh, unique things devised, and it doesn't happen over 
overnight. He's at 3000 Cavanaugh, Suite E. He's over Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6. 40 years of experience. Remember, he can take care of all your services, like cleaning your jewelry, repairing your jewelry. In fact, uh, Eric doesn't publicize this, but I will, and that is the big stores that are around town, they tend to send their repairs to him to do them because he's very, very talented and he's very, very professional and he's got the plasma torches and all that crap that he needs to be able to do that. And so why go through a middleman? Just take it over to Eric Coleman and let him take care of it. Let him become your jeweler. That's uh, Eric Coleman over at Hillcrest Designer Jewelry, 3000 Cavanaugh. Again, Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6. More on the Dave Ellswick Show. Just a moment. All right, you belong to which uh, committee still, Mark? Well, I'm chairman of Insurance and Commerce uh, and uh, on the Education Committee. Also serve on the Arkansas Legislative Council. Anything? Let me just ask. I'm hearing, all right, I haven't been able to get anyone from Sarah's campaign to, to, to tell me this. But I am hearing that there is going to be a huge push uh, for universal, um, you know, basically open, you know, choice education here in the state of Arkansas come January. A big push. Yes, I've heard that from a number of legislators who are very committed to it. Okay. And uh, I, I really can't speak to it beyond that. Uh, of how the governor's office feels about it, but I'm I'm sure these legislators would not be saying it, saying that they're all in for a, a true. You know, I, I, they're probably staying away from the phrase voucher system, but education uh, savings account. Well, I, I think what they're trying to craft <laughs> is something similar to what Arizona passed and the governor signed. Yeah, where is it here? Let me. Let me bring something up real quickly here. And as you know, there have been a number of attempts uh, to do various uh, uh, educational choice programs. Uh, The thing that has been most frustrating to me uh, is that we are just kind of piecemealing. And and even when you're only talking about, for instance, I know it's done a great job, but it's only 500 students with the Succeed Scholarship, which is for developmentally disabled kids. It's not even a baby step. It's not even a baby step. And yet we get hit hard on that every time we try to do anything that modifies it or to, uh, to expand it. Um, you know, I, I passed uh, legislation that would allow, because there were a number of unclaimed scholarships, uh, passed legislation or presented it that would allow ki- children that are already in a private school getting their services, their, their uh, developmental disabled mm-hmm. right. education, uh, for them to be able to apply for it. And there were a number of legislators, one of them, uh, the late John Walker, wanted to relitigate the whole issue of whether we should have even had it from the beginning. And I, and I pointed out, uh, matter of fact, it's probably one of the great moments between John and I, a lot of people felt like uh, that he and I didn't like each other. We actually had a grudging respect. Mm-hmm. But he had talked about how it takes money away from public schools. It didn't. It really was a, uh, a governor's rainy day fund that was funding it. Um, but I pointed out that actually the state of Arkansas would, is responsible for f- for paying for that special ed uh 
appropriation, no matter how much it costs to educate that child. So when a parent signs the waiver that we want to use the Succeed Scholarship, it totally indemnifies the school district. So I said it saves money. And uh, that was my closing to the speech, and, and I went back to my desk, and John was right across the aisle from me, and he motioned me over. I leaned in, and he said, good closing. <laughs> okay. And the bill passed. All right. Well, on the staff for Sarah, all right, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, your next governor, uh, Gretchen Conger is one of her senior advisors. Now, you probably don't even know who Gretchen Conger yeah. is. I happen to know who she is because I've been following what's going on out in Arizona. And I heard that she was on uh, the, the the governor's staff. Now, she's from Arizona. She was uh, Governor Ducey's deputy chief of staff. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, I think we're going to hear about Arizona yeah. here come up in, in January. But anyway, uh, moving from that, and, and I'm excited about it. Let me one last question on that. There were a lot of weak-kneed Republicans on education because they're still scared of superintendents. Has that gone – have we gone beyond that yet? I don't, I don't think we have, and the reason is um, a number of these, especially rural legislators, in their legislative district, they may have – because you know, remember, we've, we're talking about 100 House members – they may have three or four school districts in their legislative district. A lot of votes. So that means, yeah, and in many of those communities, the, the largest employer is the school district. So if you've got three or four superintendents calling that one legislator and saying, you need to vote against this, then that legislator is going to do it. Um, and as you know, as, and you've already mentioned, it was very frustrating to me, uh, you know, trying to push back on critical race theory, uh, superintendents. Uh, I'm not going to say that they lied, but what they would do is they'd say, well, we don't we're not teaching critical race theory. No, yeah, they, they, opt, they, they, they were teaching word, diversity, yeah. equity, yes. inclusion, DEI. Yeah. Yeah. They knew exactly what they were saying. And so uh, a lot of these legislators are like, oh, okay, well, it's not happening in my part of the state. Mm-hmm. It really shouldn't matter whether it's happening in your part of the state. If we can show that it's actually happening in the state and it's being funded by education dollars, then that legislator has a responsibility to push back. Yeah, what are they going to do uh, when you know that governor's school teaches CRT? Oh, yeah. Has for years. Yeah, and it's that's that's just a perfect example of what I'm talking about. Do you agree that uh, this would be the most conservative legislature that's ever been seated in the state of Arkansas? I I think that that is uh, fair to say. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think the last number I heard there'd be 26 new legislators coming into the house. Um, the Senate, I don't know the numbers, but I, I know some specific senators that are coming in that are very conservative. John Payton is yeah. one. Brian King uh, is another. Uh, of course, you've got you know Mark Johnson coming back. and uh, So there's going to be some strong conservatives. Uh, now, you're going to see some battleground, especially in the Senate. It's going to be very fractured. Um, but, 
yeah, I, I think that this session is going to be it's going to be a good one in terms of having some very strong conservatives in both the House and the Senate. All right, I got uh, about a minute and a half here. What's going on in um, uh, insurance? Yeah, about insurance commission. Yeah, there's something you wanted to put, pass on to everybody. Well, one of the things that I'm really just in terms of uh, educating the public and using the committee, the joint committee process, uh, I'm asking the insurance department to bring us information about how many claims that are made in, in uh Accidents, vehicle accidents, how many of them are having to be paid under uninsured or underinsured motorist coverage? We don't require that in the state of Arkansas, and I don't think that we should ever require it. But I think that Arkansans need to know uh, that it's a very little price for them to have that coverage because there's more and more hit and runs happening uh, where people just did not. Uh, even if they were stopped, they didn't have insurance. Right. And it's completely on the person who got hit to have to pay for it. Um, so, you know, we're going to just try and put that out probably in late November, early December as one of the, the last meetings that I would chair as uh, insurance and commerce chair, just to get the, get the word out on that. Well, maybe what the legislature needs to do is not uh, punish those that don't buy that kind of insurance, but put some real teeth for the people who don't buy insurance, period, and then leave somebody high and dry if they happen to hit them or whatever. Exactly right. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We're going to talk about the treasurer's race. That's coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. we got some news for you first before we do that, so stick around for it. It's Dave Ellswick Show, 101.1 FM, The Answer. We got Mark Lowry here. He is state representative on the Maumel area, and of course, uh, he is running for treasurer. Okay, so we talked about the legislature for the last half hour. Let's talk about what's going on uh, on the treasurer's race. As I've been telling you uh, for several weeks now, I believe that we will hold the Republicans will hold all of the constitutional offices. I don't see any. Uh, people that are running against any of uh, the men and women who have been holding these constitutional offices or new people like Tim Griffin wanting to be AG and things of that nature that come close to, you know, our stable that's running some very, very qualified individuals like Mark Lowry and others. So, Mark, let's let's just say, first of all, you've been traveling the state because it's a state office. You've got to talk to a lot of people. What are you hearing from them? Well, I'm, I'm hearing from them just, you know, what the polling is showing is that people, are, first and foremost, they're concerned about the economy. They're concerned about how inflation is affecting them. And so the, the message that I've been carrying since I got into the treasurer's race in January has been a populist message of saying, listen, we've got problems here in the state of Arkansas where we should not be building up a $1.6 billion surplus in one year when our Kansans are suffering for 8.5% inflation, higher inflation in home goods, uh, you know, being able to buy food, 50% higher fuel costs, and then them having more and more difficulty making ends meet. We need to do a better job on our revenue projections. Um, and I think that we we have an obligation uh, also. Uh, the constitutional offices have an obligation to start living within our means. And so I've already made a pledge that I'm going to cut staff uh, by 15%. 
the number of staff. Uh, th- now's a good time to do that when because some of those positions will lose through attrition. Mm-hmm. There's a number that are going on with uh, Treasurer Milligan to the auditor's office. And so there's no better time than to make those switches Just down. Just don't refill them. Yeah, yeah. Or, or do some uh, you know, do some cross-training, do some combining of duties. Uh, and so we're looking at that. Uh, you know, I know uh, I, I've appeared a number of times the same uh, forum or venue as Tommy Land, the land commissioner, and he's made a pledge of cutting his budget by 10%. If we are going to be serious about continuing uh, the gradual and maybe even accelerating the cutback on income taxes, it has to start with making state government more lean. And I think that that starts at the top with the uh, constitutional offices, and that's my my pledge. I've got to kind of laugh and chuckle here because uh, several years ago I had a state legislator on, he will go unnamed, uh, who kind of got into a little argument with me dealing with uh, state spending. And I was talking about we needed to cut spending. And, and he looked at me and says, well, I'm going to make you governor, Dave. You know, how much would you cut? And I said 10 percent. And I said, as soon as I was elected, I would tell every department head 10 percent. And I thought he was going to have apoplexy right in front of me. That's not possible. And I'm hearing you say 15 percent. We're hearing Tammy Land say 10%. It is not only possible, I think it is unconscionable not to do it. Well, it is possible. And what we see a lot of times at the end of a, uh, a fiscal year is that agencies, if they have spent less than what has been appropriated, they have a fear that if I don't spend up to my appropriation, then the legislature is going to cut me. So I've got to make sure I do that. And, you know, all you have to do is go out to uh, uh, marketing and redistribution, the M&R surplus, and see uh, the really quality furniture and equipment that's out there because somebody decided, well, I don't need that 65-inch big screen anymore. I need an 80-inch, you know, for our lobby or for our foyer. And, uh, you know, there just has – and I know we've done some significant things with transformation, but we need to do more. And uh, so I, I hope that this conservative legislature that, that we're talking about is also going to go along with that. I'd, I won't have a vote on uh, tax cuts, or but I hope that I have a strong enough relationship with legislators. And you can talk to them. That I can talk to them. Uh, I'm going to continue to use to go out into the state, go into Rotary Clubs, Lions Clubs, Civic Clubs, obviously the, the Republican uh, county committees that I've been traveling in, and take the information that I've received from them and then take it back to legislators. Because a lot of times they're only hearing what's going on in their part of the state. And they need to hear that it's something, one, to confirm to them what they're hearing in their part of the state and tell them that it's even deeper uh, across the state of Arkansas. Now, when, you have, when you're elected to a constitutional office, it kind of gives you a little bit of a bully pulpit, doesn't it? Absolutely it does. And and that's the, exactly the phrase that I've used, is that with a four-year term, I'm going to use the office as a bully pulpit to go around talking about things like school choice. Because you see, school choice 
builds the economy. Mm-hmm. It's not all locked up in a school district that, and, and you remember this, I, I uh, ran legislation back in 2017 because I found out that Arkansas school districts were sitting and literally sitting on $1.6 billion. And putting it all under, we're going to build something. Yeah, and saying, well, we're going to build something. And uh, so we passed we passed a bill, the legislature did, setting a cap of how much they can carry in what's called the net fund balance. What we have seen since the bill, the act was implemented in 2018, is that $1.6 billion has grown to over $2.2 billion. Wow. It went the opposite direction because they figured out how to game the system. And we've got to make sure that we ask those tough questions, and that's what I've told uh, people on the campaign trail. Ask my fellow legislators, do I ask the tough questions? And they'll tell you, yeah, he, he does. Kind of annoys us sometimes, but he does ask those tough questions. I'm going to do the same thing as state treasurer. All right. Biden was out eating an ice cream cone the other day. I saw that. And uh, said the economy is strong. We've heard, we've heard also that the, that the border is, uh, you know, secure. But question for you. You're going to be treasurer. People are talking about a recession. What are some things that you've got to think about about that? Well, one of the things that uh, – several uh, issues. The state of Arkansas's investments are, are are probably going to be very good. We're probably going to have a great first quarter, second quarter of my administration just because interest rates have gone up. That's something where the state of Arkansas is going to benefit, but it's going to hurt Arkansans. So we have, but we do have to keep uh, an eye on our reserve fund. Uh, I, I don't think that that has to get out of hand. Uh, Arkansas has been strong; it survived the pandemic because we didn't shut down. Our economy was strong. I think we're also equipped to have a strong economy, even if there is a recession. Um, so I don't think we have to overreact in terms of our reserve funds. We certainly don't need to overreact uh, on, you know, one of the arguments that was made for us to not increase to $8,000 the exemption on used car taxes was, well, we don't know how much of this surplus is tied to uh, uh, pandemic uh, mm-hmm. funding. Right. So we only increased it to 4000 and And I've asked people – uh, in different parts of the state, how many of you have seen cars driving around with temporary paper tags that are over 60, 90, 120 days overdue? And almost everybody raises their hand. And I said, and see, that's because the, these people, good luck if you can find a good used car for $4,000. Yeah, you got that right. Okay. So we've got to do something that is more directly going to help middle-income and lower-middle-income people, which would be doing away with the sales tax on used cars. I didn't realize this until about a month ago. Someone pointed out, they said, you know, we didn't have a used car sales tax until Bill Clinton. That's his, yeah, he's the one who got it passed. Yeah, I mean, all we've ever heard is the car tax. Mm-hmm. But he actually put a used car tax on sale uh, or sales tax on used cars. Mm-hmm. That alone, that legacy alone is reason why we should do away with it. 
and we'll find less people driving their car without license plates. And if they're not licensing their cars, I can guarantee you they're also not insuring their cars. And so it's really an unsafe situation out there. Plus, we need to benefit in a more direct way middle-income, lower-middle-income folks who most rely on buying used cars. All right. Mark Lowry is with me to the top of the hour. We've got about 15 minutes left. I'm going to get the final break in. And when we come back, I want to talk to him about woke politics and corporations. And I want to talk to him specifically uh, about BlackRock. We'll do that on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're down to about 12 minutes left here, uh, Mark. And I've got several different things to talk to. Uh, I... I just mentioned the, uh, the, the, the worst company in the world, as far as I'm concerned, that's BlackRock, about woke politics. BlackRock, now they're supposed to take money and make more money. I mean, that's exactly what they're supposed to do. But when you won't put money behind the oil industry, when you won't put money behind the gun industry, when you, uh, you know, put your money behind uh, investments that may lose money, then uh, states like Missouri, who have $550 million, pulled all their money out. Stockholders started saying, whoa, wait a second. How's this going to affect how much money I'm going to make? And that's a question they they rightly should be uh, asking. Do you know, do we have a a lot of money invested with BlackRock? We don't now. Um, I met with Treasurer Milligan in February, and that was one of the questions I asked, is is the Treasury invested in BlackRock? He looked into it, and, and uh, happily, he two weeks later, he announced that Arkansas was divesting from BlackRock. Too. I, I think it was in excess of $125 million. Uh, it had been much larger uh, at one point, and then it had gradually gone down. The real problem right now are some of the retirement funds that are heavily invested in BlackRock. And as treasurer, I will have a seat on those boards uh, in an ex officio relationship, and I'll certainly raise the issue. I may, My one vote may not be enough to change, but I'm certainly going to, meeting after meeting, I'm going to raise the issue that we have a fiduciary responsibility to bring the best return, whether it is a retirement fund or whether it is the investments in the state treasury, and to to use woke politically correct funding strategies like ESG, which is what BlackRock is involved in. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's environmental, social, and governance. And it goes beyond what you've already talked about. It also says that uh, the strategy is you won't invest in a company unless they've got an LGBTQ uh, hiring practice or they've got a diversity uh, program. It has been expanded, ESG, at least some have been interpreting it, that, um, that you shouldn't be doing business with the nation, the state of Israel. I am very proud that Treasurer Milligan has $150 million invested in Israel bonds. I can't think of a safer investment than to invest in Israel. And so I've uh, already been making uh, contacts uh, with people uh, uh, with the state of Israel. Uh, to see if we can increase those investments, mm-hmm. because that is good, sound investing investment practice for the state of Arkansas. Safe investments that have a good return. All right, your your uh, challenger, not so much. She uh, she she's all into this, uh, you know, green everywhere. 
Yes, she is. She has said she wants to use the, the treasury, the money of the people of Arkansas, to further an environmental agenda. And, uh, you know, people of Arkansas are sick of this cancel culture, especially when it comes to capitalism, especially when it comes to protecting our resources. We shouldn't be picking winners and losers based on politically correct uh, uh, stratagem. We should be doing it based on the the three criteria for investments with the state of Arkansas. One, first and foremost, safe investments. Secondly, making sure that your money is liquid. And then third, return on investment. Nowhere in those three is there there anything about making political statements. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to uh, protect the the investments of the people of Arkansas. What's her name? Her name is Pam Whitaker. Very nice lady. I met her for the first time Friday before last. We did a a short uh, mini-debate on Arkansas Week, um, and I I raised the issue, and she didn't deny it. Uh, And it's all in her campaign literature that she wants to use the Treasury for uh, her own purposes to further environmental concerns. And uh, and that's just – that's an irrational uh, approach to take – when it comes to investment strategy. Well, it doesn't meet those three requirements Not that you just talked about. Right. So you want to make sure that, that – look, if we're going to invest money, we want to make sure we're getting a, a good return back. Right. And and that, uh, as I mentioned, I mentioned that one third because we do have to do safe investments. We okay. can't speculate. But we still need to have a return on investment. We will have that, uh, unfortunately, because of interest rates rising. We're already seeing gains uh, in the investments at, at the Treasurer's Office. We're going to see even more uh, in, in the next year. Uh, that's good news for the state of Arkansas. Unfortunately, it's bad news for Arkansas consumers because it's going to make it make money tighter for them to be able to borrow, whether it is, you know, home mortgage rates are already going up. Um, going now, to go up again, and another three-quarters no, no, point, up, getting that, ready to be leveled on us. That's right. So it, the people of Arkansas are going to be, be hit by this. Our investments are going to be pretty fairly protected I, I think we're going to be doing a good job but again we're not going to be speculating um, i've already said that i want to bring on a, a, a non-paid uh, council of economic advisors some private sector folks uh, that i've already talked to like warren stevens or somebody like that. i'm just bringing them name. i don't know if that's a name that you're considering but i'm just saying people like that that have their hands in this stuff all the time right and, and we have a, a sound investment team that that has you know their eyes very clearly on the future of looking what's 30 days, 60 days, 90 days down the line. But I want them to be able to confirm with these private sector entities that, yes, what we're seeing, what the the Treasury staff is seeing, is exactly what the private sector is seeing. And, um, you know, I've really enjoyed the support of the Arkansas Bankers Association. I've met with their executive board um, because I've told them I'm going to be serious-minded about this. There are significant guardrails in place to protect the investments of the state of Arkansas. But we need to be doing more when it comes to the quarterly board of finance meetings than just looking backward and saying, well, we did a good job, you know, pat us on the back. We need to look forward and, and not, necessar- not necessarily speculate, but to see what are some of the economic engines 
the the factors that we're going to be seeing that are going to affect uh, affect our investments. All right. Well, I think we can all say that Treasurer Milligan did a good job. Yes, he did uh, over his two terms in that position. Are there any areas that you feel that you want to bring more uh, study to? Well, I, yes. Um, one of the uh, one of the areas that the treasurer's office oversees is the educational five two nine program, where parents, their family, extended family can invest in a child's education Correct. for future. Now, initially, it was set up for higher education, but it can be used for private school tuition oh. if the the child wants to go to uh you know when they get to middle school high school and the parents decide that there's enough in there uh for them to be able to afford private college the deposits in that have doubled during dennis milligan's uh term in office so that's a good thing but there's still more uh information that we can get out there and so i'm going to be very aggressive in getting my staff, but but especially myself, to uh, Rotary clubs, civic clubs, letting people know that this investment strategy is there. Um, now, if we're successful in the voucher program or the universal school choice, as we'd like to call ESA. it, ESA, ESA, <laughs> um, uh, you know that that might affect educational 529 uh, but i think it, it'll affect it positively because then the families can be focusing on investing for the future that their higher education post-secondary uh, and not worrying about whether they're going to have to tap into it for high school mark it's always a pleasure well thank you soon i won't be calling you representative mark lowry i think i'll be calling you mr treasurer so uh you're always welcome. Microphone's well, thank you. always available to and you. And it's always marked to you. All right. Okay. I appreciate you. Sure. Thank you so much. All right. Tomorrow, we'll have the car, the car guys going to be on. Um, I'm trying to get Grover Norquist to come on. Um, I haven't gotten an answer back from him yet. And then Jimmy Cavan's going to be on at 9 o'clock. Well, we'll have some information about what went down in Conway and about the, the transgender uh, issue and we're going to talk a little bit about Frank Scott, and we'll talk about uh, the, the school superintendent in Cabot. We'll repeat some stuff that we had from you. School superintendents, I'm going to be just honest with you, make too much money here in Arkansas. Way too much money. Over $200,000, and in uh, uh, Mr. Thurman's uh, case, over $300,000. So we'll talk about all of that here on the Dave Ellswick Show. See you tomorrow, 6 a.m., right here at 101.1 FM. The answer. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. 
Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.